Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Friday, December the 11th, 2015. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome everyone once again to Mind Shifters Radio, where the conversation is always engaged around the idea of how do we bring ourselves out of the game of hostility, fear, sadness, grief, rage, pain, drama, and trauma into truly functioning as human beings. And so... We welcome you to that conversation. We are delighted that you're a part of it. And, of course, our calling number is 646-200-4169. If you're on one of those stations where you can't hear us, if you simply dial that number, you'll be listening to the show. And if you hit one, that will put a hand up and put you in line to uh, in the phone queue to speak with us. So honored and delighted that you're here to join us. I'd like to start the show out today and uh, let everyone know that uh, we just uh, got the news yesterday afternoon that David Hayes had uh, made his transition. So those who you know, met David when you were at Heartland, when he was there, we could just uh, take a minute and hold a space of love and connectedness to support David as he moves along on his journey to the next level. And so we'll just take a moment of silence. For those who might think they feel a disturbance from hearing that news or being upset that uh, some people I've spoken with have had some trauma coming up for them, we'd just like to, uh, to offer that the most powerful gift you can give someone as they transition, as they leave their bodies behind, is to live truly or to stand truly in the space of love for them and with them. 
the act of standing as a space of love for and with someone means that you are able to strengthen and resonate the love that they are and bring that into full experience and full expression. And many people believe, as with uh, with many events in their lives, that the reason that they're feeling some sort of pain or turmoil or trauma is that something outside of them causes it. Our offering with this work is always that nothing outside of you can cause anything to go on inside of you that isn't already there. And if it's going on inside of you, if you're feeling it, then it's something that resides in yourself. And each time something that is less than love that resides within you is resonated by an event in the world or comes to awareness in any way, shape, or form, that's the perfect opportunity to engage in the process of forgiveness, to remove and free yourself from that, that you can become the space of love for others in whatever's going on in their worlds. And so if anyone has anything to share about David, a favorite memory, he'd certainly be welcome to call him and share that with us. And other than that, we're here to bring forward the truth of the ancient Aramaic teachings of the man named Yeshua. And a question comes to mind. You know, you hear one of the directives that he gives, and his directive is stand as a space of love, be love for those who hate you. Do good to those who despitefully use you. And we could ask, whatever happened to that culture? Where did it go? Why isn't that being lived? And, you know, whatever the missing tools of Yeshua come to mind for me, one of the first places my mind always goes is to Vladimir Lenin, who said that the way to destroy a culture was to change the meaning of its words. Now, you might say, well, why would changing the meaning of words destroy a culture? Because cultures are transferred from person to person through words. If we change the meaning of those words, we've obviously changed the culture. And there are so many words that we find in the ancient Aramaic teachings that are so distorted and so far off base that it's just unbelievable. Words that the meaning is so distorted. For instance, the word forgiveness. Forgiveness in the first century meant a tool with which you reach inside yourself and remove your current hostility, fear, grief, rage, sadness, trauma or trauma. And here we are in a culture that runs around all the time. I talked with someone last night. We, we went to a small Christmas celebration last night with some friends. And someone was talking about, well, but, you know, everywhere I go, they, they tell me to forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. And our offering here is never forgive anybody. 
Because if you think that pardoning someone else is forgiveness, then you'll never do your forgiveness work. So the culture of forgiveness is lost totally when you change the meaning of that word. And in this culture, the word forgive really, in essence, means or has come to mean pardon. Let them off the hook. And we even hear Yeshua being quoted as saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if you go to the Aramaic, what what happens is that meaning is lost in that Greek translations because they leave out two simple words. So if you were to read the passage in Aramaic where it says, we're told it says by the Greeks, forgive them for they know not what they do, what you would read would be forgive as to them for they know not what they do. In other words, if someone does a behavior that's crazy, off the wall, destructive, you wouldn't be being invited to forgive them. You'd be pointed to what was going on inside yourself with the words as to. So if someone does something that brings up my rage, I forgive as to what they brought up in me. I forgive as to my rage, not let them off the hook. So when some form of hostility or fear enters into a bloodline, if no one knows that the word forgive means go inside yourself and remove that virus, then the virus remains within the family system. And it gets passed from generation to generation to generation. And there are just so many words. You take the word love, and we're told that we should love one another. And in Aramaic, not what it says. If you look at the first century words in Aramaic, it says not love one another as though love is a verb and something you can do to someone else, but it says have rachma for one another. That is, see each other through a filter in the frontal lobes of your brain that is keyed to love. And now you've got a whole different experience than people out there trying to love each other. Actually, giving someone the directive to love another is really a big setup for a fall and for guilt. Well, why would that be, Michael? Well, if you, for instance, have sadness, anger, rage, fear in you, and you interact with someone who brings up that sadness, anger, fear, or rage... And then you're loaded up with this belief that you're supposed to somehow approve of another, which is really what the word has come to mean in our culture, and yet what they've resonated in you is rage, you're set up for failure. Because if rage is resonated by someone, you're not doing the verb of approving them in any way, shape, or form. But if someone resonates your rage and you forgive as to them, then you'll be working on removing your rage and thanking them for showing it to you. You'll be working on standing as a space of love in interaction with them, which means you will be forgiving your rage, as opposed to trying to approve of them 
or what they've done that resonated your rage. It just becomes a whole different game. But you can only transfer that culture when you have those meanings for those words. And I think that's one of the things that's led to, you know, I do some research and and they tell us there are about 32,000 sects of Christianity today, or so-called Christianity. 32,000 sets of beliefs as to what it means to practice as a Christian. And everyone knowing that they're the only ones going to heaven and they're the only ones who are right. Everybody else is wrong. And the eyes look down upon those who don't know any better, who don't have their particular belief. Our invitation with this work is to take the tools and put them to work in your life. And as you do, you'll have an experience of functioning as love you'll achieve the result that Yeshua was looking for rather than have a belief system about what someone else said they were looking for. So so the tools are here, and our, our deep, deep desire is to extend those tools to you, to share those tools with you. If you've not entertained or worked with the forgiveness processes yet, there is a wake-up sheet on our website, First Century Aramaic Wake-Up-to-Love Worksheet. If you go to www.whyagain.org, and if you take a look in the middle of the page, you'll see a bullseye there. You might have to scroll down a little bit. Click on the bullseye, and that will open a whole series of links. The link to the PowerPoint that used to be beside the bullseye has been moved inside the bullseye now. So if you're looking for that PowerPoint that walks you through the whole forgiveness process, and uh, and once again, we thank Bill Costantino so deeply. I sat and watched that again last night, and uh, it was just heartwarming to be able to sit and watch uh, a, a piece of work that Bill did that takes 35 years of study and compresses it into 24 minutes where anybody on the planet can just sit and watch it. Now, I'm going to have to watch it a few times to make it solidly yours, but watch it and, and begin to comprehend the meaning, the definition of that word, forgive, and why it's so powerful and why and how it works. So if you haven't seen that uh, PowerPoint yet, Gene, maybe you could describe, I haven't looked since you moved that around yesterday, but when you open the bullseye, you'll see the PowerPoint by the icon that's connected with it? Well, yes. What I did was if you go to click on the bullseye, it takes you to worksheets to print. And I didn't change the first part. It's still the first link is Chapter 24 of the book, followed by the wake-up sheet followed by the MP3s of us walking people through the wake-up sheet. Then below that, you'll see the, the new icon for the 12-step and the link for those radio shows. And then right below it is the little uh, picture of the human with a 9-bit mind from the PowerPoint and the link to the PowerPoint. So it all of that shows up right at the top of the worksheets to print. And then it goes on down to the other worksheets. But I left the pictures there, so if you're used to seeing that picture, you can actually just click on the picture, too, and it will take you directly to that link. Cool. So just open the bullseye, and there it will be. If you haven't looked yes. at that uh, at least ten times, we invite you to do so. 
because it will build a deeper and deeper understanding of exactly how the process works. And so we invite you to go ahead and put that to work. We're, we're actually just waiting. We've uh, we've edited the new four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And uh, I just fell in love again with the first hour of it. I had kind of forgotten just how powerful the first hour of that workshop came together when we did it last year up in Chicago. And thank you, Dr. Tim, for all your support and assistance and getting that videographer together and the space together to do it and some of the finances to help to, to get it videoed. And we are going to put that as soon as we get it back from the uh, the editor. We're in, in accolades and uh, appreciation to uh, Jared Silver at At A Glance Marketing for his skills in doing that. Did a really nice job of uh, doing the video work with it. And so... Uh, we'll be putting that full hour on uh, YouTube and putting a link on the on the page so you'll be able to access that. And just kind of, it's it's a new opening hour for why is this happening to me again? And I think one of the best hours, actually, the whole workshops, one of the best why workshops I've ever done. And uh, you know, that's a workshop I've been doing for well, first developed it, first taught it about 35 years ago, and. Uh, have done it in some some cases as many as three times in a day. So uh, it's really uh, uh, neat to see how it came together that particular day. And we'll let you know as soon as that uh, link is up. So thank you, Jared Silver. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Thank you, Jeannie. And uh, once again, welcome everybody to the show. Uh, Dr. Tim with us today, Jeannie? He is, and he's on. Great. Let's say hello to the young man. with the mute button pushed. Are you with us, Tim? Okay, well, Tim's probably turned away from his phone uh, for the actually, moment. Actually, so. like uh, it looks like he hung up and signed back on again, so I had to turn him back on. Hi, Dr. Tim. Oh, hello. Hey there, sir. Are we How there? Be? We I'm are. doing very We're well. Here. Loud and clear. I'm having wonderful times. Sharing the work, doing my own, it's delightful. I missed the intro because of some calls that came in, but I'm here, I'm healthy, I'm happy. We're having a beautiful day here in Illinois, and I have been, I had a group last night where we had another small talk with Guy Finley and then the overlap between what Guy is talking about and Michael Rice's work, and it was a very stimulating conversation. And we got into some personal sharing about, you know, kind of the theme of I'm always working. I'm not going to be done. And recently I had something come up where someone I know went to graduate school and um, after a few maybe a couple months the person contacted me and said did you ever think feel like quitting and I (laughs) and I tried to talk to her about my dissertation in the author's note section 
And it was so dehumanizing, the whole process, that I was silly enough and naive enough to think that in this entire dissertation, the one page where it says author's note, I would be allowed to say what I wanted to say. But they even censored that. And so having mentioned that to her, I couldn't remember it verbatim, but I gave her a little overview. And so I decided to dig it out. And what came up in the group last night was that since I dug out my old dissertation and read it, it triggered all kinds of emotions and upsets and things I have worked on, you know, for a lot of years in different techniques and trainings. I've even done worksheets on it and and yet my my not my knowledge is my knowing is I must be willing to keep doing worksheets and tapping and release and mind shifters on what gets stirred in me that's less than love, even though it's, you know, all those years ago that these events happened. If I lock myself into thinking, well, I'm a psychologist and I've done enough worksheets on that and, and I'm justified in being angry at those people and then I lock myself in the prison of pain and anger and I, I move into that state that you keep talking about where you know most of us live, denial. I give up my address as Crystal Lake and I move to denial. And, uh, and so it was very, um, for me personally, it was good to do some sharing around that and notice what was coming up and to be able to use it to to illustrate the point that I can see with my logical mind that those events that happened all those years ago, if I choose to interpret them as growth experiences and as life lessons, and I, I, I work with them to release what's less than loving in me, I can turn it into a blessing for myself and for others. And I can see now, all these years later, that well, it's probably, you know, I didn't like it at the time, but boy, it really put me in a position where I've been able to help a lot of people. And now here I am all these years later, somebody in graduate school you know, knows me as the great and powerful Dr. Tim, and I can say, yeah, I've not only did I think about it a lot, but in my author's note, I said this is the most challenging process to to me trying to be the kind of person I wanted to be that I've ever encountered in life. It's very you know dehumanizing, and so I can turn it as a learning experience, and I feel good about you know getting it, photocopying it, sending her a copy, and yeah, it really helped her and then three days later. I'm between sessions in my office and I I go to the bathroom and I find myself thinking in the bathroom and if I'm not willing to say oh boy I guess I've got more worksheets to do then I just doom myself to keep being disintegrated by that energy so that was our 
our group process last night, and it was Dr. Tim as the example, and so <laughs> so that's what we have to offer. Cool, wonderful group, well, loving move, people. Go ahead, Michael. That's pretty powerful. Is it pretty powerful, isn't it? When you talked about you moved from uh, Crystal Lake to uh, to denial, where was that on Confusion Street? Yeah, yeah, I think that's in that's in an alternate universe. <laughs> the new address for for those in denial, yes. Well, it was interesting last night. We the uh, the host of the party asked us if she had come to visit us uh, the day before, and uh, we did some processing and so on. Actually, had been in Heartland back in 1993. Uh, actually, spent six months there in '93, and uh, was in the middle of a a process in her life, a challenge. And so we did a little bit of processing around it and actually watched a uh, uh, video on forgiveness. And uh, so last night she asked if we would share a little bit about what we do. She'd been telling people about our work. And and uh, afterward, uh, one woman came up to me and said, well, well, how long does this take? Is this done in, like in one session? It's like, well... Not exactly, <laughs> not exactly, but uh, of course the wish of the uh, the non-being mind is, well, I'd like to get this all done yesterday if we can arrange that, and just not the way it works. When you recognize that your body-mind unit is a multi-generational database that holds every thought, every feeling, every reality for every generation in your bloodline, and that means billions of people, you know, something like in the range of 1.7 billion people in each of our bloodlines in 30 generations. And that's what we're inviting people to go inside, access, and, and make fit to support human life. That is, have this instrument and every thought and every feeling in it come into alignment, bring it into alignment with the truth of who we are. You know, a lot of people, one of the major uh, complaints that doctors get from people is they're people with low energy. And energy systems don't bring through more energy by efforting. They bring through more energy by aligning. Of course, our simple definition for a human life is a question. Hold a newborn child experience human life and whenever anybody answers that question about the newborn it's always some variation on the theme of this pure sweetness and love one gen last night said powerful it's like you couldn't believe just how much power exuded from this little body well he was tapping into the presence of a human being, and our so-called bodies are designed to support that power and that presence and that love and that compassion and that sweetness. The world has some different ideas, so the average person, while they might hold that living as love is an ideal because they haven't been given the tools Dr. Tim's talking about to re remove those things. And, and when you start the removal process, you're not just talking about something that's happened 
in your own life. One of the reasons why I think we have to go back and visit, you know, according to Yeshua, you know, when someone said to him, how many of these worksheets do we have to do? Is seven enough? His answer in Aramaic was no, 77 times 70, which literally means one's going to do an infinite amount of work to clean up that multi-generational database until they're complete with the particular issue that they're working with. So represented by the symbolic number of 77 times 70 times is a number of times you'll forgive as to any piece of drama or trauma that's inside of you. We don't learn those things in a, in a minute. We learn them over the generations. I, I love that story of the, uh, the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years and the kind of shocked look on people's faces when I asked the question, after talking about that, it's like, now, let's see. How does a bright group of people like this get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? They weren't talking about being lost in a hot, sandy place. That word desert is unconscious. The multi-generational database that holds those things that we've not resolved are being held in a hidden part of the mind or the unconscious, which is the desert. And it's time for us to wake up from that and to be um, governed and ruled in our world by choice in relationship to love rather than by resonance and generational dynamics that we don't want to face and don't want to deal with. So we're here to support everyone in acquiring the tools with which to deal with those things. And we're delighted that you're here to share with us. And uh, let's check with Jeannie and see if she's got anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room to be aware of. Jeannie? Uh, chat room is real quiet. And since uh, Dr. Tim didn't uh, get on at the very beginning of it, I know Michelle was like getting in into the chat room. And so neither of them had heard us make the announcement that David had passed yesterday during the show. Mm, and uh, right. so... Uh, I want to throw that in. And a hand did just now go up in, in the switchboard. So area code 417, you're on the air. I believe this is Heartland. This is Jim Farmer. Hello, everybody. Hey there, young man. Welcome. Uh, I had not intended to call in, but Dr. Tim, your story uh, triggered uh, the thought that maybe I should share a recent experience of mine uh, that really has to do with perceive something, and uh, wow, as I start, the emotions bubbling up for me, but uh, as Michael well knows, uh, I have been on again, off again, estranged from one of my four children, my oldest son, who's 45 years old, and uh, he had a heart attack about six weeks ago, about to have his gallbladder removed, and anyway, uh, I spent two hours on the phone with him a week ago Sunday, and I'll be as brief as I can here, because I'm I'm Mm. known to be very windy. You hadn't told uh, you that, Jim. I'm delighted to hear that, and we certainly hold the space. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I held the space. I was very proud of the way I held the space. We were on the phone for two hours, and without exaggeration, I would say an hour and 40 minutes of the two hours, he was going up one side of me and down the other and tearing me a new one, um, uh, a repeated pattern with him. Uh, and uh, I was able to hold the space for the, for those two hours, and what he told me about his gallbladder led me to uh, call Keith Morey in California and get some advice from him, and I called him back on Tuesday, 
to give him that advice. And of course, he immediately went into rage. And I'm not taking any advice for you. What are you nuts? Da, 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 da. And uh, although I was able to hold a space for two hours on Sunday, um, I, I managed to leave one of my buttons exposed on Tuesday. And um, to say I lost it would be an exaggeration. But I raised my voice and was was angry and definitely was coming from a hostility place, not from a loving place. And I said to him, you know, if we're going to get this back together again, there's got to be goodwill in the relationship. Anyway, the takeaway from all of that was that night uh, I heard something that he had said to me in a different way. And what he said to me was, Dad, I've been walking 50 feet behind you all my life just waiting for you, just waiting for you to turn around. And, and uh, the, the point of the story is that all along I've been waiting for him to show up differently, waiting for him to change, and and wanting to be a gift for him and and facilitate helping facilitate that for him. And uh, the result of those two conversations was that that I got the gift. Out of all that rage, I got the gift, and uh, and it was what Dr. Tim said about you know how we choose to see something that that triggered my thought to to make this call, and uh, anyway, the the bottom bottom line of all of that is that uh, I, I called my oldest daughter Trish. A couple of days later, three days later, actually, I was just with it. And oh, after I got off the phone with him on Sunday night, I breathed for an hour, and that was a big help. And I breathed for an hour the next morning as soon as I awoke and, and did the same thing again, breathed again Tuesday night, which was a tremendous help. And I felt uh, release of energy in my lower back where I've been carrying my rage for 88 years. Uh not all of it, but a significant chunk. And when I talked to my daughter, we were on the phone for about a half an hour, and the awareness that I had was that I had created a belief, a false belief, because I had heard this from all four of my children that I wasn't there for them when they were growing up. Uh, I left for work in the morning at 8.30 and didn't get home until 10, 10.30 at night and for not a number of years worked six days a week and da-da-da-da. And, of course, that's what we did back then. And my rationale was, well, that was our generation. It's different now and so on. Well, they're not interested in hearing that. You know, they, they see that as that was my choice. But the false belief that I created was that the ship had sailed and that uh, – But that was their reality about their father and uh, was going to remain so until until they sprinkle my ashes over the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and uh, in conversation with Trish, my oldest daughter, she said, that's absolutely not true. She said, anyway... Go for it, Jim. Keep climbing. Keep climbing down in there, deeper and deeper. And you got a whole community here. Just, 
just holding the space and spraying you with the energy of love. So I'm here to hold the space. Go for it. Thank you. Anyway, I, Michael, I intended to have this conversation with you one-on-one, uh, but I, it, I, I, I'm just going to announce it here that uh, I'm heading back to New Jersey for two weeks or so. I'm going to be back here at Heartland by the by a little more than two weeks back to here at Heartland by the 10th of January, the latest. But uh, my daughter welcomed me with open arms to spend Christmas and New Year's with her, and. Uh, Mm. And Sweet. Uh, and really, really wants to. I mean, and I, my relationship with her and with the other two, with the exception of Jim, uh, has been good, but not great. And uh, we both balled on the song and um, are both really excited and looking forward to spending the holidays together. I haven't seen any of them for two years. I've been out here for a year and a half. And uh, Jimmy has been invited to spend, actually we're celebrating Christmas on the 20th because she's going to Long Island to spend it. Christmas weekend with her fiance's family, who I'll get to meet for the first time. I've talked to him on the phone a few times. He seems like a terrific guy. So I'll get to meet him. And I'll also get to meet one of my grandson's one of my one of my grandson's new fiance, who I haven't met yet. They're flying in from California. And uh, Jimmy's been invited to spend Sunday the twentieth with with Trish, and I don't know if he'll come. He, she hasn't heard back from him. I don't know if he'll come now knowing that I'm going to be there, but my hope is that he will. And I'm going to drive instead of fly because he's about two hours away, and if there's any chance of connecting with him, I'll have a car to be able to do that. So just to, well, we'll the bottom line of this, here I'm looking for uh, for the fire to go out in my son. I mean the fire of rage. And... Uh, and I get the lesson from him, and I'm complete, and I thank you for all the space. Mm. That's powerful, Jim. It sounds like he uh, he was able to open a powerful space for you in that conversation on Tuesday and uh, give you a chance to put the fire out in yourself. So that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Tim. Thank you, Jim. You are welcome and deserving. Thank you. And we're breathing with you. Thank you. I know that I know the benefit of that. And I I am in deep gratitude. Let's give somebody else a chance. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing right, well. Dave. I'm doing very. I'm, I'm excited. I'm just elated at, at, the, at the prospects of the next two, three weeks. Cool. Merry Christmas to all. Well, God well, bless. Yeah, we hold the space and uh, and have an awesome, sweet presence of love, Christmas, and uh, and just 
you know the the opportunity with that uh new level of insight is is awesome to take the presence of love to family members and you know it's a huge time of year for drama and trauma for people and uh to work through an issue that big, to face an issue that big, Jim, and and bring a new state of being to the family is is an awesome gift. And I hold a space that, if it's appropriate, the the conversation opens with Jimmy, and uh, and maybe you know he can uh, walk forward that 50 feet, and you can walk or 25 feet, and you can walk back 25 and connect and really open that and uh and i hope he hears that he can uh deal with cleaning his gallbladder out without them pulling it uh that's uh it's a medical uh anomaly that uh they, they think there's such a thing as an organ that doesn't belong in the body or has no use and when it's a very important organ and and uh certainly one that if possible one wants to hold on to and it's fairly easy to actually Jeannie's uh Jeannie's dad was put in the hospital with what they thought was a heart attack back home a couple of years ago, and uh, and you know they gave him all kinds of heart medication, and then they discovered, oops, nothing wrong with your heart, it's your gallbladder. But uh, come in next week, we'll arrange to get it taken care of. And in the meantime, we uh, we send from our website a uh, a copy of the uh, how to do a gallbladder liver gallbladder flush and. And he did one, and he was quite proud of himself when he went, went to the doctor and, and took uh, a whole container of um, gallstones that he had captured as he cleansed his gallbladder. And the doctor just kind of scratched his head and said, like, how did you do that? What? And his gallbladder was perfectly healthy and perfectly clear. How did you do that? It's like, well... Yes, there was a way to do things that are actually healing, and uh, and so if anybody's having gallbladder challenges, it, uh, sooner rather than later is a good time to do a gallbladder flush, and you can go to our website and just go to the search bar and put gallbladder in, and it'll tell you how that's done. So, so we we'll hold the space, Jim, and uh, thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. That's a, a great uh, opening for the uh, the holy day season. That uh, truly, when we bring the presence of love to old traumas that's when holiness really happens in fact it reminds me of a a line from the course in miracles it's one of my favorite and that is that there is no place so holy upon the earth as a place where an ancient hatred becomes a present love so we uh we thank you for sharing that with us i'm sure that opens a space for lots of folks i believe so thank you all right sir blessings thank you Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And this season of people coming together uh, and, and, you know, people tend to have trepidation about seeing this person or that, and their trepidation is always a projection. You're not afraid to see your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, that person who abused you, that person who beat you up. Nobody's ever been afraid of anything like that. But if there's fear in here, we can project it into our brain's image of them and think we have fear of them. The person who carries the disease of fear carries the disease of fear. That's all. And it's healable. It's forgivable. Again, if you haven't accessed the forgiveness tools, they're freely available on the website. 
whyagain.org. You'll see a red bullseye. Scroll down the page a little bit, click on the bullseye, and there are, I mean, you can literally spend hundreds of hours going through studying, learning, understanding the forgiveness process and engaging in it. Of course, the most important part is to engage in it. There has to be some knowledge of how to do it. And, you know, I I can remember in the early days when I started to understand that forgiveness was a big key in the early days of my study, I'd go around asking all the experts I could find, how do you forgive? And they'd say, well, well, you know, you just forgive. And I said, well, but I don't know. That's why I'm asking, how do you forgive? Well, and all I could get, I mean, everywhere I went, all I could get was, well, you just forgive. Please click on the bullseye on our website, and it will tell you precisely, step by step, <clears throat> how to remove hostile and fearful content from your mind, how to forgive. It's just like it's the technology that was taught 2,000 years ago is beyond belief in its simplicity. Actually, if there's a problem with it, the most difficult problem is this looks too simple, but it's so profound in its effect. Here's exactly how you reach in, access associated content in your mind that can be triggered by all sorts of things, and bring a different you to the party. So please access that technology, make use of it. As you're making use of it, call the show, ask questions. Any question you've got about the process, we want you to be absolutely, totally, completely, outrageously successful at using this technology so that you carry to every party you go to the active presence of love and the willingness to own and face anything less than love that comes up so that you can be freed of it. So that's our reason for being. That's what we're here to do. And, you know, I I can only acknowledge the genius of the mind that brought that to us 2,000 years ago and how it was done. I was listening to an interview a little while back about uh, from from an atheist who was talking about how non-intellectual, you know, uh, the whole idea of the teachings of Yeshua was how, you know, just simplistic and, and it's like, well, let me see if your mind can hold this kind of intellectual process because it's pretty deep stuff. And the reason why most people think it's not is because they don't have the capacity to go there and don't have a clue as to what was actually being taught. You get back into what was abs- actually being taught and it is just, monumental in its finesse, in its elegance at solving the human dilemma. It's just awesome when you really get to it. It's it's mind-boggling, and uh, I've had my mind boggled many, many times over the years in working with and deepening my understanding of the process. So we want to share that with you and make it available to you. There are, Jeannie did a calculation the other day, and I think the number she came up with, uh, that there are now 1,268 hours of radio shows in the archives where we've got conversations about forgiveness every which way but loose. Forgiveness and just about all of the corollary tools. So there's just um, a ton of information there to support you in the process. 
And Jeannie, do we have anybody in the chat room with a, a thought or a question we might want to be aware of or anything happening in the phone queue? No, it's real quiet on both ends. Uh, there's several people on the switchboard, so if someone presses one, you're first in line with no waiting. And chat room's really quiet. Everybody's just listening. So our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you have a question for us, if there's anything about this conversation that you go, that doesn't make sense, or I need to understand it on a deeper level, or what does that mean? That's why we're here having this conversation today, so that you can get clarity on that. And, of course, oftentimes, the thing that you don't have clarity on, Tim, Dr. Tim doesn't. I don't either. And you're asking the question, assists us in arriving at clarity. And so there, there's no question that's too simple. There's no question that's too elementary. Anything about what we're saying arouses questions in you. We want your questions in this space. If there's anything that doesn't make sense about it, you know, that's silly. That couldn't possibly work. Which one? Tell us your thoughts. And we'll see if we can help to bring a deeper understanding. The magic of technology, if you push one, if you're on the, in the phone queue right now and you push one, That'll raise a little hand in the control panel. Don't ask me how it does that, but it's pretty amazing technology. Jeannie's sitting here in uh, in Ellington, Florida, while computers in New York City are receiving my voice and transmitting it to you. And when you push one, receiving that and transmitting it to Jeannie. You know, there was a time when the, the world believed that, uh, you know, you couldn't send messages through the air. You had to have wires. <laughs> Pretty amazing technology what we have today. And and it's the, the technology is more and more mimicking the capacities of the human mind. You know, one of the, the pieces of understanding Okay, just let me throw this thought out. One of the okay. pieces of technology or that the or pieces of understanding that the uh the world of physics is giving us is it's saying that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. We're getting to the point where we're mimicking that technology with the external technology, being able to transmit signals back and forth, these signals that are always being transmitted, and when we will let ourselves slow down enough to listen, there's all kinds of information available to us that we otherwise have been taught not to pay attention to. So we're here to learn how to pay attention to that and hear it. And let's hear from our caller. Area code 901, you're on the air. Hi there, this is Brenda. And hopefully the traffic, I'm walking, that traffic is not going to block out. I had a question, an experience I had this past year and just recently, two people who had impacted my life just wonderfully, um, transition, and when they did, what I felt was not grief, but gratitude for what they had done Mm. in my life, yet a few minutes ago when you told us about David's transition, I realized that it triggered some grief, and although I don't recall meeting David, I may have, but I'm not recalling it, I guess my question 
is, and I and that gratitude, you know, my feeling of gratitude that I had with the other two people is not there because I don't recall any experience with him. So maybe you could address the um, the issue of whether or not I might have used the gratitude on the other two people to perhaps hide something, grief that was there, or um, just looking for some uh, kind of comments on that. Okay, cool. Well, my first thought would be uh, is is to affirm that you did meet David. I know the last time you were at Heartland, David was there, uh, and it was a fairly large group of people who was kind of busy, so uh, I may not have directly connected with him, but uh, but he was there when you were there back that probably six years ago or so. But my thought would be that, you know, when we hear, and maybe you could just mute, uh, there is some traffic noise there, so great. Uh, my thought would be that um, each of us stores information in files, so to speak, and those files open through resonance. And if I have a file on death and files linked together and I have a file on deep appreciation for someone, I think it would be easy for, you know, as we've talked about with the file folder effect, for that appreciation to override maybe some subtler grief that I'm not holding in awareness. So that would be a a good place to breathe and, uh, you know, allow yourself to drop in deeper, to look deeper, maybe do a worksheet on the passing of those two people that you're talking about and just just see if you drop into anything else. And it could be that, you know, you're pretty clear with them, but it I think it's very reasonable that the gratitude could override the subtler level. Uh, and so uh, perhaps a, a worksheet around David's passing would also be a, a productive thing to do to just look at, uh, you know, dro- let yourself drop into a deeper level of your mind where there is some some grief about uh, the loss of a loved one. So I think you're, I, I'd say that you're right on track with your thoughts. Dr. Tin, do you have any thoughts for Brenda? I was going to say something very similar. It made me think of uh, it resonated what I was already sharing that there are levels of upset in me that no matter how much I'm doing my work, I don't get access to until I'm ready for it. And you know, I have done many different types of work and levels of work ever since 1991 when this series of events happened. And I get very clear about it at times and can talk about it easily, and other times I get triggered. So that would be my input willingness to do the work whenever it comes up is my key. So does that uh, that fit, Brenda? Yes, um, and I've unmuted myself momentarily. Um, I was thinking also that the thought crossed my mind. Now I think the thought just decided to go somewhere else. (laughs) Um, It was a comment that you had, but I will do the worksheets on both of them. And uh, maybe that thought will come back, but you can <laughs> appreciate yeah, your I, input. Yeah, 
and and you know the, when when Yeshua says seventy seven times seventy worksheets, I, I would do one on on death. I do one on each of these people passing, and I do one with David as the subject of the worksheet, and to see what uh, what ties what what taps back in. What what is it about this particular conversation that resonated that, and and that's kind of what you want to chase down and and follow in because when we can collapse what's on the surface of the mind through forgiveness that's when we can drop into the deeper part of the mind where the next level of healing lies I think the thought just came back and you just triggered it in that the possible sadness that was triggered for me about David was I knew that the other two people had not done any of this work. And um, David had done so much of this work. And so I think maybe I had an idea or a thought that his mind or all the work that he had done, that he would be able to choose to stay. And maybe I looked at the fact that he transitioned as maybe an indication of failure of doing his work, which is not, which I will do a worksheet on that thought also, yes. but I'll let, you com- I'll let you comment on that. Yeah, my, my thought would be that, you know, if that were my thought, I'd be doing a worksheet on my failure and looking at areas in my life where I failed, and that, that would might be, serve as well as doing a worksheet around that with David. And, you know, for me, what this work is about, maybe you can mute again. Yeah. For me, what this work was about is literally reaching in and removing everything that could possibly kill us. You know, when you recognize that energy is eternal, we must be eternal. And if we're eternal, why do we die? My offering is we die because we hold energies that don't support the system, this energy system staying integrated. And, of course, we've all got a thousand generations underneath us uh, that have done all kinds of crazy things to disintegrate. And, and so it's now coded in each of us to die in our genes. And to me, the commitment is to undo that coding, to get to the point in, in the practice of my work that I can undo that and be freed of that and cancel the thought if I happen to transition, let go of the need to judge the work as a failure or me as a failure or anyone else as a failure and recognize that you know whether any given individual is able to do the complete work and the complete process themselves it doesn't really speak to the quality of the tools or the work. You know, there's there are huge levels that we each need to work through, and uh, and that's what we're here to do is to create support for for that being done. And we're down to the last few seconds of the show, so I'm going to have to close it out. And if there's more conversation to be had in this regard, let's open the show early with it tomorrow. In the meantime, much appreciation for everybody being here. David, blessings on your journey, and we hold the space. Lots of love. Bye-bye.